0: show Well, we finally got some economic news coming out today. All of it bad, and of course, all of it unexpected. And you would figure by now people would expect bad news, but you know, hope springs eternal on Wall Street, and every time we get bad news, It's always unexpected, and everybody expects it to improve. Of course, that's why the Federal Reserve is continuing to maintain its forecast that it expects to raise interest rates by the end of the year, even though the year is rapidly coming to a close, and they're still clinging to that pretense based on a forecast that was obviously wrong. Although now we've had a second Fed official come out and say that he doesn't believe that it'll be appropriate to raise rates before the end of the year. And I know they're they're talking about this. I was listening on CNBC, dissension in the ranks. This is, everybody's going crazy. You know, I heard Steve Leesman was quoting uh, Diana Swank. I can't believe there's all this dissension. Yet, you know, of course, they're not going to quote Peter Schiff, right? Because all this is my forecast. All this theater is all about the Fed trying to gradually take the rate hikes off the table while maintaining that they were planning on raising rates all along. Now, of course, if they were planning on raising rates all along, it just means that they were incompetent. See, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that they weren't idiots, that there was actually a, a method to their madness, that it really was the theater that I described in that they wanted to pretend that the recovery was real and that the economy can handle higher rates. So they wanted to pretend they were about to raise them But they would have to keep coming up with excuses as to why they would not. And, you know, they're still coming up with excuses. They're still saying that, well, you know, if the economy uh, is as good as we think, then it'll be appropriate to raise rates by the end of the year. But of course, it's not going to be as good as they claim to think. There's not enough time. And in fact, it's getting worse. All the economic news is getting worse. And so when is the Fed going to come out and admit that its forecast is wrong? that the forecast they had at the end of last year about a big recovery and liftoff on, on you know, interest rates is wrong. You know, it's going to take a long time for them to do that. But believe me, as big as the moves we had today in the dollar and in gold, and I'm going to get to that uh, later in the podcast, but you ain't seen nothing yet compared to what's going to happen when the uh, Janet Yellen waves the checker flag here. That's what's going to happen. Everybody's going to speed up. And this is going to be, you know, a big, big deal when people finally realize how wrong they've been in their assessments of Fed policy, of the U.S. economy. And by the way, while I'm on the subject of CNBC, you know, my brother actually got on the phone with a producer today and the producer finally said, I said, look, Andy, you know, I don't even know why you bothered to call because nobody here at CNBC wants Peter Schiff on. Nobody. None of the shows. So if you want to know why I haven't been on, nobody wants to book me. Now, every once in a while, I get on Futures Now, which is on uh, the Internet, on cnbc.com. Um, I am going to be on CNBC Asia tomorrow night. And I have been getting booked, CNBC Asia, CNBC Europe. They have me on once a month or so. Uh, but CNBC America, I'm pretty much blacklisted. You know, I haven't been on Bloomberg. I've Actually, I, I somehow I got on once, I think, last year. Or somehow I slipped through the cracks, and they didn't notice it. But that was the only time in, like, eight years or something. But I'm even hardly on Fox Business these days. I mean, funny, the last time I was on, I was on for the floor of the New York Stock Exchange uh, with, with Liz Klayman. She interviewed me. And just on my YouTube channel, the video of me on Fox Business got over 80,000 views, over 80,000 views. I didn't promote it. I just put it up on my YouTube channel. It was posted on my Facebook page. By the way, we just hit, I think, 99,000 likes on Facebook. Still surprisingly low, but 99, you know, we need another 1,000 likes uh, to get to 100,000. So see if you can... uh, like me there and get me up to that level. If you haven't already done that, Twitter, we're about, what, 65,000. And my YouTube channel is the most. I got about 127,000 subscribers there. But over 80,000 people watch my interview on Fox Business with Liz Clayman on, uh, on my YouTube channel. That's probably more people than saw the live show on Fox Business. You know, I looked at, their, at the um, channel. Fox Business has their own YouTube channel. And they probably got thousands of videos that they put up there, thousands of them. And there's only five or six others that have more than 80,000 views. None of them have to do with the economy or the markets. Two of them are celebrities talking about Donald Trump. One of them is about Edward Snowden. Then there's another one uh, um, about a Lamborghini boat or something like that. Uh, And and then one is about uh, an avalanche. On, on mount everest right so t- these are the topics that they if you look on their their typical oh no the other one one of them was uh floyd mayweather talking about the Pacquiao fight i mean that that's that's what gets the revenues the 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 uh the, the speedboat one was uh cnbc because cnbc only has like three youtube videos on their channel that have more of, more than eighty thousand views and again none of them have to do with the stock market or the economy, if you look on Fox Business's YouTube channel, their typical video, where it's a guy talking about the stock market or the economy, it gets between one and two hundred views. Nobody cares. Yet you know, I get eighty thousand plus views when I talk about the stock market. You'd think these guys care about ratings. Apparently, they care more about. Propaganda, more about not getting the truth out there and silencing the one guy that's actually got Fed policy right, than they care about their ratings. Which means maybe there's something else at play. Maybe it's their sponsors. Uh, the sponsors don't like me, right? They don't like me. You know, they're trying to sell their uh, their products, and they don't want a bear telling people the truth. But in any event, it's it's not going to be too much longer before it's not going to be just dissension in the ranks. Everybody is going to unify behind uh, we're not going to raise rates in 2015. And then it's going to be, you know, maybe it'll be appropriate in 2016, but of course it won't be because they're going to be launching QE4 uh, before they get around to raising rates. And we'll see when this happens, right? If I am right and nobody else would have been right but me, most people thought the Fed was going to raise rates at least a little bit. Nobody was out there saying they didn't think they would raise them at all other than me. So if they don't raise them at all and then they launch QE4, it's going to be hard for the conventional media to ignore me. Now, I didn't say it's going to be impossible because they still might do it, but it's certainly going to be a lot harder for them to do it. But you can still listen to me on my own channel. Hopefully one of these days there will be more people listening to these podcasts than listening to anything on CNBC or uh, you know the mainstream media, but you can help me uh, stand on a bigger soapbox by you know spreading the word, making sure that your friends also like my pages, watch my videos. I mean, we really got to expand uh, expand my audience on our own because I'm not getting any help you know from the mainstream. We have to infiltrate on our own. But let's get to the economic data. I will start. With the early morning release of the weekly mortgage applications, which were significant in the precipitous drop, you had the composite index drop by 27.6% with purchase mortgages dropping a whopping 34%. Now, part of this was due to the big jump last week uh, as uh, uh, mortgage applicants were trying to get ahead of some new government rules that just went into effect. But the drop is much bigger than the pop. Right. The purchases were up 27 percent last week, but they dropped 34 percent this week. So this is a bad sign. Right. That this is you know, this is the the housing market now is rolling over. And that's been one of the bright spots of the economy, at least the way the Fed looks at it. Not the way I look at it, but the way they look at it. And, you know, that bright spot is uh, is starting to uh, flicker away. But that got the ball rolling. Then, and this is not really bad news per se, the producer prices. But from the Fed's perspective, they think it's bad news, right? Because they they want inflation. They think inflation is good, and so the consensus forecast was for month over month prices to drop two tenths. Instead, they dropped five tenths, more than double the, the drop that they expected. Year over year, down one point one percent. Last last month, it was down point eight percent. So it's going down. Uh, Even the core year over year strip out food and energy down to up 0.5 from the previous up 0.7. So from the Fed's perspective, they're claiming they want higher inflation and the data is showing that it's lower, right? So this would argue for no rate hikes, right? So that was the first bit of uh, negative news. But the real negative news was the retail sales number, September retail sales. Now, it was supposed to be weak, right? It was supposed to be up one-tenth. And that's what we got, up one-tenth. But, and it's a big but, last month was originally reported as up two-tenths. They revised that to flat, zero. So now we're up 0.1 from zero as opposed to up 0.1 from up 0.2. So that means retail sales for both September and August are lower than what everybody thought they were going to be. And in fact, if you take a look at the X autos It was down 0.3. It was supposed to be down 0.1. But again, it gets worse because last month it was originally reported as up 0.1. They revised that to down 0.1. So now instead of being down 0.1 from up 0.1, we're down 0.3 from down 0.1. So again, both months lower, all of this is going to pull numbers away from GDP in the third quarter. So just really, really bad numbers on retail sales, uh, confirming the trend, August, September, weak numbers, finishing out the third quarter. I still think we're going to get GDP in Q3 below 1%. And it might be below zero, which could be the first half of a recession. Speaking about recessions, we also got business inventories which were unchanged on the month. They revised the prior month from up 0.1 to 0. So that'll take a little bit off of third quarter GDP. That's still the August number. But the inventory to sales ratio popped up to 1.37. That ties the high for the move. It's been stuck at one36 Uh, Since February, this is the first time since uh, I think maybe January or early February during the big snowstorm, right, that we had 1.37. I think we're going to get 1.38, maybe even next month to finish out the third quarter. Uh, This huge glut of products building up on the shelves bodes very, very ill for the economy. Look, the only time, the last two times that we had inventory to sales ratios this high, we were already in recession. 2008 and 2001. So bad economic news coming out, but probably I think the worst news was Walmart's uh, bombshell came out and said, hey, you know, we gave all of our workers raises and now our profits are suffering. You know, now their sales are suffering, too. So I guess all those Walmart workers uh, who, you know, were being paid more money weren't spending the extra money at Walmart, right? Because 75 percent of their profit losses or losses are coming from higher wages. And I guess the other 25 percent are coming from lower sales. So they're getting it uh, from both ends there. But, you know, Walmart is the nation's biggest retailer. They should benefit more than anybody else from a strong dollar because they import everything. And, of course, from cheap gas, because Walmart shoppers are more sensitive to gasoline prices, let's say, than people that shop at higher-end stores, Neiman Marcus or Saks Fifth Avenue, right? These are people that are living paycheck to paycheck. And if they don't have to spend as much of their paychecks on gas, well, you'd figure, right, they have more to spend at Walmart. But that's not what happened. And then Walmart got clobbered. The stock was down 10% on the day. I mean, one of the biggest down days in the history of Walmart. And in fact, if you look at where the stock is year to date, it's down about 33% from its highs, this 52-week highs, 33%. Remember, a bear market is down 20%. So this is a super bear market. And you know, we could be down another 10 bucks. I mean, it's at $60 now. I think Walmart can go to 50 pretty quickly. And again, I'm not giving out any stock recommendations. I'm not telling you about short Walmart. But if I'm right and it goes to 50, that's where it was 10 years ago. Walmart was at 50 bucks in 2005. And, you know, everybody's talking about, oh, Walmart. Yeah, Walmart, everybody, Walmart is getting rich while they're squeezing their employees, right? Well, people aren't getting rich owning Walmart stock. That's for sure. Right? The, the left wants to pretend that the stockholders are making so much money on the back of the workers. No, they're not. And of course, here's the irony of it. Walmart's profits are collapsing. That is not good for workers because profits are what creates those jobs. If your employer doesn't have profits, your job's in jeopardy. And so I guess all the protesters are going to have a victory here. Of course, it's going to be a hollow victory. You see, they don't like all those low-paying jobs at Walmart. Well, the good news is, a lot of those low paying jobs are going to go away. But that's also the bad news because, you know, the employees are going to be out of work. It's not like they're going to get to earn. You know, Walmart said, hey, we're going to pay our workers more money. But guess what? We're going to fire a bunch of them. So the ones they fire are going to get zero money. So, you know, that, that's 100 percent pay cut. And this is, again, a sign I was watching on CNBC all day. This is why they don't want to have Peter Schiff on there, because they were on there saying, oh, well, you know, this doesn't mean anything negative for the economy. I mean, don't read anything into this. Uh, This is just a Walmart problem. Look, Walmart is where America shops, right? Everybody says, oh, the U.S. economy, it's all based on consumer spending. Well, where do they think consumers spend? At Walmart. If Walmart is having a problem you just can't dismiss that and say, ah, well, it's just Walmart. I mean, Walmart is the biggest seller. It is the big gorilla in the room. And you can't ignore that. And of course, it's not just Walmart. All kinds of retailers are having problems. Look, even Netflix. Netflix reported after the close and they missed. Their number was their their number was below estimates. The stock was down maybe fifteen percent when I when I last looked at it. I'm not sure where it is now. Coming back, it's coming back a little bit. But You know, even the new economy stocks are missing because I think they were having problems uh, collecting. Uh, I don't know. They're blaming it on switching their cars. But look, look, maybe their customers just aren't paying their bills. All the retailers are having problems. The financials are now having problems. The market is rolling over. And I said before, we got about a thousand point pop out of the jobs data. Remember I said I thought we would get a big run out of that jobs data, but I didn't think we'd make a new high. And that's exactly what happened because I think in order to make a new high – The market needs QE4. It's not just taking rate hikes off the table. And again, they haven't even completely taken them off. Janet Yellen is still saying that she thinks the Fed's going to raise rates. By the end of the year, of course, it's based on her economic forecast, which we know is going to be wrong. Uh, But nobody wants to admit that because everybody wants to think that Janet Yellen's some kind of a genius. And so if she thinks that the economy is going to be strong enough uh, to raise rates, well, then, you know, take that to the bank, right? Although she's never gotten anything right. But nobody wants to admit what a fool we have running the Federal Reserve. So as a result of all this bad news, we got a decline in the market. It wasn't bad news is good news. It was bad news is bad news today. The Dow was down about 160 points. But gold had a great day. Gold was up about 20 bucks. It was trading above $1,190 an ounce. Silver up again. Not that big a day on silver, but still the highest close of this move in the silver market. Silver was up about, what, 20, 26 cents, 16, 16. It might be the first close above 16 bucks for this cycle. The gold stocks index, the GDX, was actually up 7% on the day. That's a pretty big move uh, for that index. Oil stocks also were higher, and emerging market stocks were up. And, you know, for a while... People have thought, hey, you know, all these markets are correlated. You know, the foreign markets just do whatever the U.S. market does, except when the U.S. goes up, they don't go up as much. When the U.S. goes down, they go down more. That might have been the exception to the rule for a while, but that's not happening now. Foreign markets are going up as the U.S. market is going down. And of course, it's being exacerbated by the weakness in the U.S. dollar, which I think is just getting started. The dollar index closed down almost a full percent today, below the 94 handle. With a 93 handle, 93.95 on the dollar index. Euro getting close to 115. I think the star on the day was the Kiwi dollar, New Zealand dollar, up 2.5% on the day. That's a big move in a currency like the New Zealand dollar in one day. But there is a lot more of this to come. I think that if we break through 93, there was a spike low in the dollar index at 93 and change. I forget where it was, 93 and a quarter-ish or something like that. But we break through 93, there's nothing beneath that chart. It's a long way down. There's some support, 82, 84-ish, something like that. But there is going to be, there's a cliff that this dollar is going to go over. And again, that's going to be the realization that there's no rate hikes because this whole dollar rally was built on the foundation of rate hikes and not just a one and done 25 bips. It, there was an entire tightening cycle that the forex traders had built into the dollar. They have to unwind that and that's going to unwind quickly. And I think gold, when gold gets above 1200, I mean, it is going to pop. I mean, we could be, I, th- I think we'll probably be above there by the end of the week. We'll see. Cause we've got two more days of economic data. There's a lot of data coming out Thursday and Friday. It's probably all going to be bad. Because it's always bad. It's like, you know, I always expect the data to be bad. And I'm almost always right. So I, I'm not surprised when we get negative news. I'm surprised when we get an occasional positive number. But again, everybody at Wall Street, they get negative number after negative number. And they're always surprised. Right? that's, again, the, the definition of insanity. Getting the same thing over and over again, but expecting something different. Right? They are insane to keep expecting good news, no matter how much bad news they get oh, well, the next news is going to be good. And then they're surprised when it's not. So we're going to get some more surprisingly bad news on Thursday and Friday. And so there could be a lot more pressure coming on. Technically, if we break down, we're going to hit a lot of stops. There's a lot of speculative money that needs to cut and run on the long side of the dollar, on the short side of gold, probably in these mining stocks. There's a lot of shorts in there. And These stocks, they're just breaking out. They're just breaking out above some key levels. Now, None of these Wall Street firms have put buy recommendations on any of these stocks. I mean, who knows what would happen to one of these stocks if a Goldman or a Morgan or a UBS actually came out and put a buy recommendation. Now, I don't expect that to happen. I mean, maybe some of these investment banks are going to buy these stocks for themselves. The last thing they want to do is compete with their clients, right? They don't want to put the buy recommendations on these stocks until they're much higher and they, you know, they, they want to take some profits for themselves. But imagine what's going to happen to this group uh, when you actually start to see Wall Street get on board. And I do expect, too, in the physical markets, the shortages to basically intensify in the physical delivery market because, you know, there's not a lot of actual gold and silver out there. There's plenty for the speculators to short in the paper market because they short gold that doesn't exist. And the people who are buying it don't actually want delivery. So they don't care that they're buying gold from people who don't have it because they don't actually want it. But there are people who actually want gold and expect it delivered to them. Uh, That's going to be harder and harder to come by. And I do think you're going to start to see this big spike up in premiums uh, for gold and silver. So if you're thinking about buying physical, stop thinking and start buying. Because not only is it going to get more expensive as the price goes up, but the premium to actually get the physical is going to go higher and higher. So it's going to be a double whammy.